All right, well, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Last week, we began a study that was called What the Bible Says About Marriage, Sex, and Gender. And I, I tried to get it into one study, and I didn't. Um, so we are, we're going to cover the second part. I would really hope that if you are just joining us, that you'll take the time to go back and listen to the first message, because there's a lot of foundational um, statements and truths from the Word of God that we gave there that are going to serve us well as we move into this next study. Again, I've asked um, the middle schoolers and high schoolers to be in here, so thank you guys for being in here, um, because I want, I want them to hear what the Bible has to say. I want them to hear that with you, mom and dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, so that you will engage in a conversation with them about these, thing, these things. Now, do I think it's, you know, that you know, kids in middle school shouldn't be hearing this? <laughs> yeah, I think they shouldn't be hearing it, but guess what? They're already hearing it, and they're hearing it from the wrong people. And so I want to, in a very tactful way, I want to go through the Word of God and hear what it has to say. You're going to find that even the reading of some of these verses they're not the kind of thing you just want to sit down and, hey, this is a verse that ministered to my heart today, and read it. Because it, it, the Bible is clear. The Bible is explicit. The Bible addresses the issues of our day. Now, as we go through this, I am fully aware that some of you, especially as we, we, we talked about sexual immorality in the broad sense of what that word means. It's any um, sex act outside of God's design for a man and woman in marriage. It's pretty broad. As we talked about fornication, we talked about adultery, homosexuality, and lesbianism. Today we're going to focus on, on transgenderism. And this is a very sensitive issue. As I said last week, I want to say it again, it's not a complicated issue. This is a very simple issue. It was simple in this world for 6,000 years. And the last 35 seconds has become complicated. Now, that is not to say that those that are maybe struggling with their gender identity, that there is not confusion and heartache and hardship and um, even suicidal thoughts. I get that. What I'm saying is the Bible is clear about how we should think on these issues. You know, we need to make certain that we hear and we uh, affirm what people are saying when they say, well, you know, I'm very confused. Oh, I understand you're confused. Let's talk about this. But in no way do we approve of the confusion. So th these are two things, and, and, and listen, we're not going to embrace and celebrate and, and feel proud about sexual sin, and nor are we going to um, show hate, toward, hate towards those that are in sexual immorality, whatever the sort. We'll call you to repentance. We're going to love you. We're going to ask you to, to walk out the word of God, just like we walk out the word of God. And you know, last week as we talked about this issue, if you notice, we spend a fair amount of time on the sexual sin of adultery. And so if there be the thought, well, you're just targeting because of what's in the news. Well, certainly I want to emphasize what we are all having to answer and, um, and speak about, but you know, this was not a, a message that was just against, it's all sexual immorality. And so I think these are some important 
lessons for us to know. We talked about how sex outside of God's design exploits and defrauds those that we are having sex with. What's that? You are robbing them of the best that God has. You're exploiting them for the ongoing of that relationship because you're afraid if you don't, they'll leave. And so you exploit them for the relationship or you exploit them for the sexual pleasure that you can get. This is what the word of God says. So I I, I am not... And I want to walk carefully out of consideration to the struggles that people have, to what families are going on. But don't, don't misinterpret my desire to speak carefully and compassionately with being confused or thinking that there's a lack of authority on these matters. And so I'm going to speak boldly and bluntly. We spoke last week in verse 4 of Hebrews. We're going through the book of Hebrews. We came to verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. It's that word fornicators that has the idea of this broad sense of all sexual immorality and that God will judge. Not only will God judge future, but God has judged past tense. We talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. But it's not just Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, you can look at the sin of the Israelites at Bel Peor. Or you can look at any number of other scenes in Scripture. You can look at the, the, the sin of the golden calf, where God brought judgment. There are example after example of example where God has judged because of sexual sin. And God will judge again because of sexual sin. But not just sexual sin. Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So God is going to judge sexual sin. This is why the church must speak up. This is not a political issue. This is a moral, biblical issue, so it is well within our realm. It's in our wheelhouse to speak on these matters and to have a clear biblical opinion about it. Why do I want to get into politics? This is the word of God. And if it crosses over the line and it becomes a political issue, we don't forfeit biblical principles and morality just because government wants to take up those issues. If you've been coming for any amount of time, you know that I am probably one of the the least vocal about politics, much to the disappointment of some of you I know. (laughs) That does not mean I don't have political opinions. I have a political opinion on everything. Even if I haven't studied it, I have an opinion on it, just like you. So I, I, I have those views. But, you know, for me, I want to speak on the Word of God. And so here we are talking about matters of sexuality. And so it's so important for us to hear. I'm going to, uh, and, I, and here's a book recommendation for you. I've got several of them I could give, but I'm going to give you one. Um, Frank Turek, on May of this year, uh, released in his third edition a book called um, Correct, Not Politically Correct, Correct, about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. And I'm going to quote, I'm not going to reference him every time, but if I'm giving a stat, chances are I got it from him, and he does an excellent job 
of giving you the source, whether it's the Wall Street Journal or whether it's this uh, uh, Journal of the Medical Association or whether it's a, a quote from the government. You can go and you can find firsthand uh, the source. So I just want to say that in the beginning. Again, the book is uh, correct but not politically correct about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. Frank Turk, a great uh, apologist in our day. We, have, we can be very thankful for men like him. So what does the Bible say about gender? Well, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. You don't have to go very far in the Bible before you get a statement about gender. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Right at the very beginning, when God was creating, he created them in his image, which by that we mean we reflect uh, some, his, some of his attributes like intelligence, knowledge, spiritual understanding. Your gerbil doesn't have that, okay? Creativity, wisdom, love, compassion, holiness, justice. These things are ways in which we are made in the image of God. The, the, the humanity has this. We reflect that from the nature of God. And really, if we would have listened to what God said in chapter one, we could have saved so many problems down through the ages. Women would have been treated differently down through the ages had men stopped and listened and heard that she was created in the image of Almighty God. That changes how you treat her. That changes how you treat him. That changes how you treat the unborn. That changes how you view your gender. It's not something that's a deficiency. It's something that God has made. And he said after he created man and woman, male and female, that it was good. It is good. And I talked last week, but I think it's important to remind us that, that the male can reflect in some ways uniquely, I'm not going to say exclusively, but uniquely a protector, a provider, a father figure. Whereas we can think of a woman protecting the nurturing and the caring spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. So when we think about a man and a woman coming together in marriage, there's this beautiful completion that takes place. Not to say if you have, are choosing to live a, um, a, uh, a, a single life that there is a deficiency. I don't mean to imply that at all, but in marriage, there's certainly two coming together. By the way, let me just say this. I should have said it last week. God's design is not for you to be a heterosexual. His design is for you to be holy. The goal is not to be a heterosexual. Some people live a single life and is commended in scripture. The goal is to be holy. And so tuck that away, think about it. But if you're one of those people that are living a single life for the glory of the Lord, we want to, we want to come by and we want to acknowledge that that is a good and godly way to live. There is nothing that we should look at and say, that's not a good idea, read, read the New Testament. So man bears the image of God, male and female. 
And God went out of his way to save the image bearers. And so to see the attack on gender today is not hard to figure out. We made this statement last week that whatever God determines to be good, whatever God designs, whatever God intends, whatever God loves, whatever God esteems, Satan attacks. Here in Genesis 1, God's creator, and we see an attack against creation, the idea that he is a creator. He created them male and female. We see an attack against that. We see marriage. We see an attack against that. Why? Because whatever God esteems, Satan hates, and he wants to destroy so when we talk about this idea, what the Bible says about gender, know that God says that it's good and that he's created them male and female, two genders, not an innumerable possibilities of gender, male or female. And this is what science clearly has told us and has not been debated again until about 25 seconds ago. And now we seem to know it all. Blurring gender identity was forbidden in scripture. We're actually, we covered this in our last study in Deuteronomy, and then the next point I'm going to make of what it says in Deuteronomy is this Sunday, this Wednesday, sorry, not Wednesdays, not Sunday, Wednesday. So last study, Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, this is from the New Living Translation, and it says, a woman, or New King James, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do are an abomination to the Lord. The Lord did not want there to be a blurring of, the, of gender lines, even when it came down to clothing. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, I'll leave it for you to read. But in this, it speaks of, of uh, you know, different types of sin. And one of the words that is used to describe, um, uh, you know, you have two, two words are used. <laughs> I'm trying to be very delicate here, but two words are used. One is the initiator, if you will, probably not the best word, but I'm trying to be discreet, the initiator in the homosexual act, and the other is the receiver. The receiver is a word that has two meanings to it. The first meaning is to be soft, effeminate, wearing soft clothes is the idea. The second is the is what I just said, is the one who's the recipient of the sex act. So even in the New Testament, this idea is carried over of where you don't blur the gender lines. Let me read you this quote that is from Andrews and Bergen. It says, Israelites were to respect God's design. They're writing about that Deuteronomy passage. Israelites were to respect God's design and not call their assigned sexuality into question by wearing inappropriate clothing. Moses knew that behavior provokes values just as values promotes, promotes, uh, values promote behavior. The Lord detests such behavior because it places a fog around distinctions that he constructed. God is against anything that blurs the lines between the sexes. I agree with that statement. I agree with that. That is exactly what the word of God is saying. What else does the Bible say? Well, not only don't blur the lines, but... It was forbidden to intentionally alter one's sex organs. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. If a, man, a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off, it may, he may not be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. Again, it's kind of not the verse you just sit down and share over a cup of coffee with somebody. 
but it's relevant to the discussion this morning. And this is exactly what's going on. You might have read this 20 years ago and thought, come on, do we really need this verse? Oh, yeah, we do. Was it really necessary in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 to say that he created a male and a female? We've read this. The church has probably read this for thousands of years and never once thought of the significance of having the genders identified. And yet, look at our day. The Lord knows what we were going to need. So they were forbidden. The Lord created um, a man and in those Sex organs were meant to reproduce, and so anything that was an attack against that, the Lord sought as attack against his creative design. Again, another um, author writes, uh, Mark Biddle, and he says, scholars speculate that either an interest in distancing Israel's worship from certain pagan cults in which mutilation played a significant role. The Amorites mutilated in their worship practices. The Amorites the ones that God said, I gave them 400 years to repent, but they did not, so I brought judgment upon them and then warned Israel, if you do the same things, you will be judged. And they both were judged because they picked up these practices or a revulsion against blurred gender boundaries or the sense that such mutilation represented an offense against God's injunction to procreate may have been the motivating factor. Such mutilation also disqualifies priests and renders animals unfit for sacrifice. Another author says possibly also because castration was imposed on certain personnel in Canaanite Amorite sanctuary. The practice was forbidden in Israel. So this Nothing new under the sun. It was happening back in the days of the Amorites when God said, I'm going to judge that. The conquest is a statement that God judges sin, sexual sin included. But this is an assault against the creative order and the creative design of God. Whatever God esteems, Satan hates. So we're talking about transgender. What does it mean? Well, it's when a person seeks to identify as a gender other than their biological sex, birth sex. It's the idea that your gender does not match the perception of who you are. Your biological body does not match your brain, is what they will say. And so there are attempts made to correct this belief. And, it, and they, the idea is that if I change my clothes, if I change my pronouns, if I change my name, if I change my physical appearance, if I go through medical procedures, then my body will come in alignment with my brain. But the answer is, no, it won't. It is a lie that is mutilating and destroying people's lives. This is like, you know, you know Nazism all over again destroying and doing experimental surgeries and ruining people's lives. That is what is going on. The more we reject God's word and design for our lives, the more broken we become as a society. We push God out of our life. We don't yield to the Lord's um, authority over our life. And we begin to live the way we want to. We do what is right in our own eyes. What book does, of the Bible does that remind you of? Judges And every man did what was right in his own eyes. For me, it's right to do this. For me, it's right to do this. But we've already ran that experiment. And the experiment resulted in hardship and God's judgment. 
And we're watching it happen, and we as broken people, we need to find our identity in Christ and who he declares us to be. If you are a a boy or a man, you have been created in the image of God. Don't sell that short. I realize that there is this whole statement about toxic masculinity out there. Parents, grandparents, you need to come along and you need to esteem the manhood of your, of your boys because they are target number one. But listen, those that are finding themselves entering into this whole uh, Medical procedure for transgenderism, it's the girls that are, that are off the charts. That's what we find is happening. Again, a lack of esteeming. For centuries, it was women being beat down and treated like property. And the word of God finally had its right impact upon society, and women became esteemed. And now look what we're doing. We're going back. And we are no longer esteeming women as the, as the, in the beauty of which God has created them to be and all of their giftedness and all of the special qualities that they bring. Who wants to be a part of a world? There won't be one. There wouldn't be one. Or who wants to be a part of a church where women are not having a significant role? I don't want to be a part of a world, a family, or a church that's not, not like that. But now we see what's happening and the attack that is coming against women. It's both, but it is especially among women. It's transgenderism, and I, here's a, a quote again from Frank Turek. And um, he talks about how um, gender dysphoria or gender disorder um, was a rare condition historically. Obviously, they did it. We read some, even ancients were doing that. Um, and they, they, the, the statistics were one out of 10,000 um, thought boys, biological boys thought they were girls. One out of 10,000. And in 2012, it, was, it wasn't even really on the charts at all for girls who were going through this. Not to say it wasn't, okay? But here's the quote. Prior to 2012, there was no scientific literature showing that gender dysphoria even affected teenage girls. But listen to this. However, over the past decade, there has been a dramatic increase in girls claiming that they are really boys. Are you ready for this? For example, in the UK, there has been a 4,400% increase in girls seeking treatment in gender clinics. What in the world is going on? 10 years, 11 years now. Well, there are some reasons, and I'll give you some, and I'm not saying I'm giving you every reason, but here's one of them that they've identified, social media. It's, it can be a tool for good and for God's glory, but it is also a tool for false prophets and prophetesses to espouse their doctrines of demons, and it is going on. I think you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody who's struggling with uh, their gender who is not lighting up social media and listening to what people have to say about their experience, and it's affirming all the way along. Another cause for this increase is the mental conditions these young people struggle with. So here's the sad thing. Rather than helping people that have mental disorders, we're harming them further. 
Listen to this, Dr. Lisa Littman's research, you got the quote up here. Dr. Lisa Littman's research study found that 63% of young people had pre-existing mental conditions before announcing they were transgender. Moreover, almost half had self-harmed and 50% had suffered traumatic events in their lives such as parents divorcing, being bullied, or suffering sexual abuse. So this is what's going on, our society is breaking down. And are the young girls of our, our families and of our society are getting hit with this especially hard. And so there's the research. People, they had mental conditions. And so rather than seeking to help them, we think the idea is to change, change their sexual, their biological sex, which you cannot change. All you can do is, is cause problems. But it's not just social media, and it's not just the inherent mental conditions that come because of life and the difficulty and the broken society we're in. And I, listen, I say this, and you, if you've been here, you know I don't go here very often, but I'm going to go there, and I'm not apologizing. Our president and the liberal wing of the government has an agenda. And don't think that they don't. Oh, this is conspiracy. Well, then you take the time to listen to what they have to say. They're wanting to be proactive in giving gender-affirming care to children as early as the age of, does anybody know? Three. Three. Three years old. And they claim there is no evidence of these treatments having negative impacts. Yeah. Yeah. They are, and, and, and they're winning. Their lives are winning the day. That's the reality. Here's a quote from Rob Dreher, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, with his recommendations. I'm not saying this is law. I don't know that, but this is one of our governmental leaders on Transgender Day. There's no scientifically sound research showing negative impacts from providing gender-affirming care. That is just so, that is just a lie. It's not true. The decision for the child welfare system to become involved, do you hear that? In the lives of families, potentially to the extent of removing children from their families and homes should be wielded with utmost care grounded in evidence and always prioritizing the well-being of children and the preservation of families. They, and they say as early as three. That they have an agenda. I pray that they fail in that agenda. But this is part of the reason. This is part of the reason. And you know, you can remember when you were in school, one of the things you wanted to do is be affirmed and to be popular and to, to be included and to, to have a, a peer group that you can be a part of. And you know what it's like to feel awkward in that process and feeling like you didn't fit in and feeling like you didn't have a place. And one way you can shoot to the top of the ranks in the peer group in the, out in the world today is to come out and say that you're transgender. You will shoot to the top of celebration and people will be proud for you. And people will, you know, think that you now have the right to be able to speak and it is a deception. If you seek to speak of the beauty of God's creative work as it relates to gender, marriage, sexual purity, you will be called a hater or a bigot. 
unloving, unkind. They have hijacked the moral high ground verbally, but they haven't hijacked it in reality. Only verbally, don't fall for it. The world, your family, the government, they don't want to hear the truth of God's word, and they don't want to hear the real horror stories of what is happening to these people. You know, it's like, well, listen, we just want to affirm these people. This is a mental disorder. Why would we affirm any mental disorder? Well, I just want that person to be able to feel good in their mind about what they think of their body. Okay, are we now going to take the one who struggles with anorexia and put them on a diet and prescribe liposuction for them? Is that our next step here? Is that our plan for those who are harming themselves and have that mental disorder? Is, is, that, is that what we're going to do? Yeah, you're right. You do look a little chubby. Don't eat anymore. You might want to go throw up again. We would hear that and we think, well, what's it? that's crazy. You're right. It is crazy. It should be illegal. And yet... For those who say, well, my body does not match what I'm thinking. The anorexia, person struggles with anorexia thinks they're fat when they're, they're starving themselves, they're harming themselves. For the person who has, you know, uh, gender disorder, dysphoria, they think they are one thing, but in reality they're another, and so we want to go help them harm themselves more? What is wrong with this? There will be a price to pay to speak up, though at work, with the HR department, friends, family, maybe even freedom, if some would have it their way, even to take your children away. By the way, October 12, 2022, WJLA News here in Virginia, and now uh, told, and I don't think this went through at all, um, praise the Lord, but the proposed legislation was to make it a felon, felony or a misdemeanor to not affirm your child's sex preference. That didn't happen, but you see what they're after. It is crazy times that we are living in. We're watching the scrambling of our kids' minds and the mutilation of their bodies, and adults as, as well. And they are not happier. They are not in a better place. But, you know, I really struggled with whether to give the, the, you know, the statistics of what's going on, and I've already given some. I'll give some more. Because... As sure as you talk about 63% are not good or 20 times worse, you'll find one that says it's all good. So I am not basing the idea that a, a biological male and a biological female should live in that identity that they are born with. I'm not basing it upon stats. I'm basing it upon the fact that we're created in the image of God. But it is no surprise that when people begin to mess with that, the results are catastrophic. And here's the deal. There is such a push to get the young children, teens, to get this done. They want to get that before they become older. Why? Well, they're sick. That's why. But beyond being sick or at the very best, completely deceived and have bought into the lies that are out there. Here, listen to this, this quote. Most young people who claim to be trans also have changes of heart. About 80% of young teens who experience gender dysphoria grow out of it by the time they are 18. And now what if you've gone through all the rest? 
if you've gone through all the hormone treatment, you know, with all the consequences that, that they go through and the mutilation of their bodies, wh- what happens now when they have osteoporosis at a young age? What happens now when they have heart condition and lung condition and they live in pain and, they're, and now they want to have children and they can't have children? What happens now? Who's responsible now? That's something that was uh, quoted in the Wall Street Journal by Dr. Paul McHugh. And so one of the longest studies that's been done on this was actually, um, this took place, I think, over in Sweden, yeah. And so they they did a study on those who had sex reassignment. I hate to say that because you don't change your sex. You just mutilate your body. But they tracked 324 people who had these surgeries over 30 years. And again, Dr. Paul McHugh, John Hopkins, psychiatrist, wrote this in the Wall Street Journal. He says, the study revealed that beginning about 10 years after having this surgery, the transgender began to experience increasing mental difficulties. Most shockingly, their suicide mortality rose 20-fold, 20 times their comparable non-transgender population. 20 years ago, these people would have been helped, but now, the government wants to pay for it, and parents that want to stand in the way are seen as the enemy. Well, what do we do? Well, this, I made this point last week, and make it again. We stand on the authority of God's word. What does the word of God say? Hopefully, I, I assume that you care about it. You're here to hear what the word of God has to say. We care what it has to say about Jesus being born in Bethlehem that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and he's coming back. And if we believe and care, and we should care about that, because it's how we know there is a Savior and how to be saved, then we should care about everything else. And if you're going to begin to pick and choose, well, then how do you know any of it's true? I gave these two quotes last week, and I want to give it again just in case somebody wasn't here. But there are two ways to interpret Scripture. Norman Geisler says... And correctly states, this is the way we should interpret scripture. The correct interpretation is the one that discovers the meaning of the text and its grammatical forms. What do the words mean? And in the historical, cultural context in which the text is expressed. But simply, we want to know what the Bible, when God inspired these men to write, we want to know what it means. What does God mean for having the men write the things that they said? But the way in which it is being interpreted is so popular today, and this is from um, Reverend Mona West, and on the power of the Bible, she says, not only can there be meaning in the author's original intent, but meaning can be derived by the reader. Meaning actually happens in the interaction between reader and the text. The concept has greatly impacted biblical interpretation because now who is reading the text is just as important as who wrote the text. Don't be deceived by those who stand in a pulpit and say, well, you know, the text can mean this. It doesn't mean that. Words mean something. There's a thing called a dictionary. Look it up, find the meaning. Words put together in sentences mean something. And they're not difficult passages to understand. These are some of the most straightforward language you can find anywhere in Scripture when it speaks about sexuality and gender. 
and marriage. So stand on the authority of God's word. Speak the truth in love. When you speak with kids or adults, and they realize the consequences of their actions, be compassionate towards them. If they're in the place of thinking that this is going to save them, it's not their Messiah. The Messiah's name is Jesus. It's not surgery or hormone therapy or changing your clothes or your pronouns or your name. It's not going to save you. It's not going to make you fulfilled. You're only going to find fulfillment in being the person God's created you to be and experiencing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. you got to speak the truth in love. We've got to speak the truth in love to those that are contemplating these things and are so confused. We've got to speak the truth. We also need to stand against manipulation tactics. I will disown you if you don't affirm me. You will never be, I will never come to another event at the house. It is interesting that they want us to deny the truth of who we are to affirm the lie of who they are. I think you need to not be manipulated by this. You need to stand your ground and say, no, no, no. That's not the way it is. I love you, and you can come, and I will come. I, I, but I will not. I will not act as if what you're doing is okay. I will make it a subject matter every time, but I will not pretend like this is okay. I cannot. I cannot deny my faith. I will not deny the word of God. And that's going to be painful, and that is going to be hard. And it's going to be full of consequences, but it's not the consequences you have made. They are making these consequences, and they are incredibly unloving and unfair and completely intolerant. But don't be confused by the word tolerant, because tolerance does not mean you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe, and we won't fight over it. That's not what tolerance means today. Tolerance today means you change what you're thinking to believe what I'm thinking and celebrate it. That's new tolerance. You can't be a Christian and be tolerant with the new definition. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can be tolerant in the true meaning of the word tolerant, but you can't, and you'll be accused of being intolerant. Point out the fallacy. Show them. Say, wait a minute. You want me to deny who I've been and how I've raised you and who you know I have been for my entire life, and yet you want me to set all that aside and affirm something that has just lately become popular? Can you not see the inconsistency? Again, if you love me, you're going to affirm me. It's not true. No good parent has affirmed every one of their child's decisions growing up. And if you had, you probably would end up in jail. You'd be negligent. You'd be irresponsible. You would have no friends. You would never be invited anywhere because your kids could do whatever they wanted. We don't live like that. If you love me, you affirm. Uh, affirmation, uh, actually love is dependent upon affirmation. That is not, that is, we don't live like that. But this is how it begins to be. The, and my response would be, okay, should we affirm the person who has anorexia? Because it's the same kind of, disorder mentally that doesn't understand where their person's body is. Of course we're not going to do that. It would be an unloving thing. 
And for those that are in this place where you have family members or a friend and you're being told, well, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? That is a cheap shot that is not grounded in reality. Don't bite on that little quip because the stats show us that that loved one is 20 times more likely to take their life. That's the reality of it. And so don't be twisted and manipulated. It's one of their favorite lines. Telling the truth is always the loving thing to do. We gotta do it in a loving way. We gotta do it with the right face on. We gotta use the right tone. All of those things. But the truth is the truth. Not just from looking in the word of God, but that's where our foundation is, but we can look at everything else. Now what if you're the one that is struggling with all of this? Let me tell you, plainly and clearly, you are not an accident. You are fearfully and wonderfully made You're not just a a man or a woman or a male or a female. You are a male or a female that has been purposely designed by God in that gender that you have. Oh, no, that's the way it was in the beginning of the garden. No, that's what that word is used in scripture later when Jeremiah talks about how he was knit together, put together in his mother's womb. It's the same word as when God created man and formed him out of the ground. God is making the gender right every single time. His hand is on the process. So you are not an accident. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. We love you. Don't listen to what they say. Oh, they, you know, if they don't affirm, they hate. That is not true. You've heard the logic, the logical fallacy of that. We want to help you. We want to sit down and pray with you. We want to sit down and open the word of God together with you. We want to hear what you have to say, and you will not be yelled at. You will not be scolded. You'll be lovingly told the truth of God's word. You'll be prayed for. And if you need that, contact the church office. pastors on staff that would love to pray with you and walk through this with you. So as we close here, whether it's adultery or premarital sex or whether it is homosexuality or lesbianism or whether it is transgenderism, it is sexual sin that will be judged and needs to be repented of. All of it. But all sin needs to be repented of. Last verse, Mark eight thirty four. when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me. What's, it, what's those next three words? Four words. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What we hear is, well, you don't want me to deny myself. Oh, yeah, I do. And you want me to deny myself too. And we want the murderer to deny himself or herself. And we want the pedophile to deny themselves and we want the thief to deny themselves we want the person who speaks harsh words and tears and hurts we want them to deny themselves denying self is a really really good thing 
You don't want people living however they want to. And if you will deny yourself and follow Jesus, you'll find out what it really means to live. Jesus said, if you seek to live for yourself, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find out what it means to be alive and to live. The world says, indulge yourself. Jesus says, deny yourself. Now, as you take this stand, (laughs) don't expect that you're going to be applauded in the world out there. You're not. You may lose your job. You know, we can have a rah-rah session here, and I hope it is encouraging to all of us about the word of God and what it says and how we should stand, but let's have reality check. You walk out these doors and you say this, and you could lose your job. You walk out these doors and you can lose your family. You walk out these doors and you can lose friends. And I think, you know, I pray that, you know, the tide is going back out with this stuff. I think there's an awakening that's happening just in the world. And, and here's the thing. The, a lot of atheists are saying more about the problem of transgenderism than some pastors are saying about it. My gosh, when Bill Maher's out doing the pastor in the pulpit, we got a problem in the church. If you don't know who he is, don't look him up. (laughs) But he's got it right on this one. Understand that you're going to run into difficulty. But you know what Jesus said? He said, yeah, they didn't like me either. And I'm better than you. And if they don't like me, then I'm very confident they're not going to like you either. I'm worried about what they're going to say. Don't worry about it. Jesus already told you. They're going to hate you. Settle yourself on that idea. And speak the truth with compassion and love. Let's pray. Let's let's be a voice for these things. Let's not stand by and be silent. You can't be silent. You can't affirm this. Remember what we read in Romans? If you affirm the things they do, you are just as guilty as of, of the things they do. That's for you to read on your own. Romans chapter 1, I think verse 32. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the word is clear. And we don't have to wonder who we are. You've told us who we are. We are your beloved creation, made uniquely and beautifully as male and female. Lord, you you have a plan for sex, and it's been corrupted by the Amorites and by Americans. Lord, we want to acknowledge the truthfulness of your word this morning. We acknowledge the authority of it and we bow to it. And Lord, whatever your word says, we will do. Lord, I want to pray for moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters who are dealing with the adultery and the premarital sex and the homosexuality and lesbianism and the transgenderism, I pray, Lord, you would give them grace. You'll minister to their broken hearts. You'll give them the courage to speak the truth. You'll give them the wisdom to do it in love. Lord, we pray for the protection of our children. We pray for their minds. We pray that the word of God would be alive in their hearts and their minds. It would be powerful. It would be seen as true. Lord, this is sin. It is sin in the church. It is sin in the world. 
And we acknowledge as the church that, Lord, it is sin and we repent of it. We ask that you would show mercy upon us and our families. Lord, the enemy is deceiving. He appears to be winning the day of the lie. And we ask, Lord, that you would bring revival to our hearts and minds. And that which is yours would not be lost. And give us the wisdom to know how to do it. I'll give you a moment just to pray. Whether it's repenting of the sin, maybe it's repenting of the affirmation you've been giving. I don't think you want to harm people, but you got to know if you're affirming it. You're affirming a mental disorder. And the consequences for it are significant and real. You may be the only one that will speak up, but when that person comes to the reality of their mistake, who do you think they're going to want to come and talk to? Everybody that applauded them as they walked down the hormone therapy and all the rest, they're not going to them. They're going to come to the one who had the courage to, in love, tell them the truth. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.